Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. From the Weekly Standard, we have Mark Hemingway. And Mark, President Obama dropped the veto down on Keystone, but he has yet to give a reason that makes any sense to me. <laughs> well, I mean, the reason is obvious. I mean, this is all just, you know, more climate change nonsense. And we now that know that Tom Steyer and other big, you know, green-minded interests have emerged as big funders of the Democratic Party at that level. So it's it's purely political. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sort of economic sense, uh, and, and that's all that matters. It's what the, where the Democratic Party is getting their checks from. But I, it doesn't make any environmental sense either. If the oil is going to come out of the Canadian ground anyway, and it is, and if the oil is going to get moved around, and it is, and if it's going to get burned, probably by China or us, and it is, then how in the world is it smart to leave it on exploding trains that use diesel fuel or putting it on ships to China that use diesel fuel when you can move it by a pipe? Just from a standpoint of let's all get green, isn't a pipeline the greenest way to do this? Uh, Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And again, this is just... It makes no sense. I mean, we we know that one of the major uh, rail lines that is that is uh, moving this stuff uh, out of Canada is actually owned by Warren Buffett, who is a again a major Democratic supporter and funder. No, so, you know, no, that knows? can't be right. No, 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 no. They must have some miscommunication there. Not good, Warren Buffett in the evil oil transporting business. Right, exactly. But, you know, another thing to keep in mind is, and I don't think most people are, are kind of aware of what's going on here with the, the rail system as a result of this. I mean, the amount of oil and everything that, that, that ramped up out of North Dakota and Canada so quickly is causing all sorts of problems with the domestic rail industry because this is basically the only way we can transport this stuff. I was in Nebraska last fall, and I mean, I was driving across western Nebraska, which, you know, might as well be the surface of the moon. But as you can imagine, with all the cattle and agricultural interests, there is a tremendous amount of, of rail railways in that part of the state and uh, everywhere I went um, trains were just backed up like huge trains full of coal and oil were just like sitting there on the tracks and uh, from what I understand uh, this is because caused such a mess that the the additional taxing of uh, the rail system that you know could take years to untangle the uh, um, the rail yards in, Ch- in Chicago and some of the other places where they they sort this stuff out because people it was just totally unanticipated that that this demand for um, the rail rail service and, and um, would, would 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 have arisen as quickly as it did. You know the downside of driving through Western Nebraska, which I did back in my stand-up comedy days, is that when you're done, you end up in Eastern Colorado, which is not <laughs> an improvement. I want to ask you since we're talking about uh, kind of common sense and the climate change issue. Uh, There's something going on with uh, Congress regarding some of the people who are, whether you, no matter what you feel about climate change, people like Roger Pilkey, people like Richard Lindzen at MIT. These are people who are scientists. They are credible scientists. And something's going on inside Congress. It's a real problem. Right, yeah, the uh, na- the Democrats on the Natural Resources Committee in the House have decided that they are going to investigate uh, seven prominent uh, um, climate scientists, and uh, it just so happens, I mean, the, the, the spokesman for uh, um, the Democrats on the Natural Resources Committee has just come out and said, like, they are investigating these particular men not for any particular reason other than they are the most influential uh, scientists when it comes to being, you know, skeptics of the current, you know, global warming hysteria. Um, and what they're trying to do is they're basically trying to shut off debate. And and one of these uh, scientists, Roger Pilkey Jr., is a well-known uh, climate scientist at the University of Colorado Boulder, um, posted on his blog today uh, um, that, uh, you know, he was being investigated, and, and there's a 
link to the letter that, that they sent his university demanding information about like every source of funding he's ever received, copies of every testi- every speech and testimony he's ever delivered before lawmakers on this stuff. And, you know, this guy's been doing this, his, his, his skepticism of the climate science uh, um, out in public. I mean, he's testified before Congress. He's open about the fact he's never received any uh, funding from fossil fuel interests or, or anything that might suggest a conflict of interest. And, you know, he's not exactly like some, you know, crazy Stone Age guy. I mean, he's a guy that's advocated for a, a carbon tax. So he's not uh, um, opposed to, uh, um, you know, regulating, you know, um, a- energy um, so, right. at, at, at all. So it's really just sort of like fascinating what's going on here. I mean, like the clear aim is to shut off the debate and, and nobody seems to care. And, and once again, you blog about this at weeklystandard.com, which is great. But what disturbs me is, I mean, this, this is as McCarthyite as you get. We don't right. like your opinions. We're hauling you before a government committee for you to defend yourself from accusations based on no facts whatsoever. Just, we don't like your opinion. Therefore that's the accusation. Right, and that's that's exactly right. I mean, they're advertising; they're going after these guys because they're influential. I mean, that's literally what they're saying to people. And I, if I found a really instructive contrast, uh, I don't remember a couple of years ago when Ken Cuccinelli, Virginia's Attorney General, um, uh, tried to investigate Michael Mann, uh, um, a climate scientist right. at the University of Virginia. Um, and the and now in that case, and if you remember that the hacked emails from the University of the East Anglia in the UK. All this treasure trove of evidence emerged that man may have been falsifying data and was engaged in all sorts of really, you know, um, shady uh, things when it came to climate science. So, right. I mean, there was actual tangible evidence that suggested this guy was doing stuff wrong and needed to be investigating. And the media went berserk um, attacking Ken Cuccinelli as being, you know, anti-science and you know, starting a war on science and all this other stuff for looking into some legitimate questions about this man's work. Now, of course, Michael Mann has been one of this leading advocate for, uh, um, you know, remaking the, right. you know, turning the clock back in the economy 100 years um, in order to combat, you know, climate change. So when, <laughs> when you're towing the liberal line in climate change, you know, uh, there's no end that the media will, won't go to to, to persecute you if, you if you are skeptical. But, you know, if, if you're in any way, you know, being, you know, crucified, uh, be, you know, unfairly, uh, and you don't ha- you agree with the liberal policy line in this, well, then you know, the media could care less. And there's one a- last aspect of this that goes back to the original question of what the heck of with Keystone, which is, let's face it, uh, the, given the thousands of miles of pipeline we already have, this is not the biggest deal in the world. It's going to create some jobs, but it's not a, a game changer the way that uh, what's going on in North Dakota it o- already is, you know, with, with accessing that but you just asked the comments this question, what, what is the payoff? Even if you ascribe to the uh, panic that Michael Mann and others want to push, when you ask them, okay, what is your real-life solution? What can we do to solve it? The answer is either something so draconian that nobody would do it in their right minds. I mean, reducing your fo- you know, fossil, your uh, carbon footprint to the 1880s, or they have no answer. They just say, well, we should just take you know, these vague nostrums and it's it's as though the the argument, well, it's science, so just obey me, but then don't ask any questions about the actual cost benefit analysis. That's what drives me crazy, Mark. Right. That that's exactly right. And and there are a number of I find it telling like that there are a number of smart guys on the right, a Jim Manzi, uh, who I'm thinking of specifically. Mm-hmm. 
uh, very well regarded uh, um, sort of scientific thinker um, who who believes in man made climate change and, and believes it may be a problem. But one of the things that Mandy always talks about is that, you know, if, if this is a problem, then maybe we should find, you know, say, you know, ways to combat the problem that don't involve, you know, draconian carbon emissions and things, the restrictions that, you know, actually could, you know, harm people. Uh, um, you know, I mean, are you going to tell people in Africa, you know, they need to stop producing energy? I mean, you know, a billion people in China live in poverty. Are you going to tell them that they're going to stop industrializing the place? I mean, <laughs> direct physical harm to these people. So they should be looking at other scientific ways, you know, um, geoengineering and, and other things like that to address climate change. But they, they don't want to talk about those things. And the reality is is that they this is just some sort of a liberal stalking horse. They just want an excuse to give more command and control authority to some sort of centralized government rather than, you know, let economic progress develop the way that it has been and, you know, continue lifting people out of poverty. Mark Hemingway, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate it. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.